Blog Talk Radio. On our seventh episode of the Ivy, we will discuss our rotations, starting lineups, X factors, impactful prospects, and our thoughts on each offseason move for every NL Central team. We also will be making our NL Central record predictions as well as playoff predictions. And we talk about it all on our seventh episode of the Ivy. Bipolar with the check. Bipolar. I should put some crazy around my neck. Bipolar. Go crazy with your Welcome into the seventh episode of the Ivy, as myself, Thomas, and my partner, Max, will be here with you for the next hour and a half to dive into everything Cubs-related and the NL Central. If you like the Cubs, you've come to the right place, and we're extremely, extremely grateful that you took some time out of your Sunday night to join us here. Max, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. All right. Well, today we'll be talking about all NL Central teams, their options and moves, as well as what starting lineups, pitching rotations, X-factors, and possible prospects who can make an impact on the MLB roster. Lastly, make sure to call into the show by calling the number 845-277-9345 to join us and ask a question or comment on anything Cubs-related. And also, for more of the Ivy content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. All right. So, Matt, we're going to dive into our first topic today, with the Chicago Cubs, and I'll open it up to you um, to talk about the rotation. Obviously, we have John Lester right now as the one. Um, Kyle Hendricks coming in at two. Cole Hamels trying to repeat what he did last year at three. You Darvish, we have at four right now, and that's all contingent on his health. And then Jose Quintana coming in at a strong number five. I'll open it up to you for us to talk about the rotation. Now. Yeah, so um, our rotation is something – um, definitely a strong point of the team as long as we're healthy. Um, obviously, we're hoping Cole can uh, um, show more of what he did last year for us. Um, obviously, I don't think he'll be as good as he was. Um, that's why I, I had him at the three spot. Um, John Lester, I don't know. Um, I know that we talked about FIP last episode, um, but he had a 3.32 ERA. Um, a much higher or lower, if you want to say, FIP, um, pretty much saying to the fact um, he got really lucky. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's partially something that he's been um, – that's that's gone his way his whole career. So um, if that's something that he's going to keep doing this year, then, I mean, sure, go ahead. Um, by the end of the season – I would guess that Kyle, Kyle Hendricks will be pitching out of the one spot. Really, I see it um, how it is right now with Lester, Hendricks, Hamels, Darvish, and Quintana because it goes lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty. So, um, obviously, um, five guys um, who who could all really be um, number one starters on other teams. Um, but one guy to definitely watch out with, watch out for this year is you, Darvish, like you said. Um, he has to be healthy, um, and I definitely think that um, he's one guy that can make or break our, se- our season. Um, along with um, Kyle Hendricks, he's been really good the past few years. Um, obviously, that Cy Young campaign in 2016, um, a good year last, se- last season. Um, obviously, didn't have a great first half, but definitely bounced back the second half. Um, I'm excited to see Quintana. Um not one of my favorite guys. I don't know if you can agree or disagree with that. 
Um, yeah, I'm excited for the rotation. I'm just hoping um, Darvish can stay healthy. Hamels, um, with that $20 million we gave him, I hope that um, he can be around where he was last year. And um, I really think that Cal Hendricks can be, be our ace this year. Yeah. Um, for me, it's much of the same. Uh, John Lester, I know I also pointed out uh, the fifth number was alarming. Um, so for me, I wouldn't expect, I don't think he's going to have, you know, over a four and a half ERA, but I also wouldn't expect another sub three and a half year or an 18 and six record like last year. Um, I agree with you that Kyle Hendricks will be our ace at the end of the year. I think Hendricks will become this team's ace in the future. Um, he should start that reign this year. Um, as he kind of takes the ropes from Lester and somewhat handles in a way from what we saw last year in the second half when we acquired him. As for Hamels, I think he'll be really interesting. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's important to note that Hamels most likely won't be coming back next year, but um, you don't really want to project something like that. That's so far away. So I'm really excited for his prospects this year to repeat what he did. And then you, Darvish, like you said, is contingent on health, but um, if he's healthy and ready to go, I would expect him to have a great season, kind of silence the doubters and, he may not be worth what we paid him, but if he's healthy, I'd have a hard time thinking he's anything worse than a second starting pitcher on any MLB team. So I'm really excited for him this year from what's come out of camp saying he's healthy. And then lastly, like you said, Quintana. I probably like Quintana a little bit more than you. Um, I, I really like the addition of him coming over from uh, the south side. I guess there's nothing really extremely special about him or his numbers, but uh, when he's your first starter, you know, the rest of your rotation is pretty strong, or at least can be when uh, Darvish is, is healthy. So um, I still think our rotation is top five in the league. Uh, can you agree with that, Mark? Yeah, I do agree with you there. Yeah, so, I mean, as for that, I, I, it's definitely a top strength, if not the top strength of our team, maybe behind the lineup and the power we can get from that, but Really excited for our uh, rotation. So we'll go into bullpen here now, Max. Uh, we know Brandon Morrow is injured and going to be out for the beginning of the season. For me, I expect Pedro Strope to slot into the closing role, but I would not be surprised if Brad Brock – is that how it's pronounced, or Brack? Yeah, it's Brock. Brad, Brock, okay. I would not be surprised if he gets a chance at it. Um, in 27 appearances last year with the Braves when he got traded from the Orioles in the second half of the year, he had a – uh, I think it was a 1.27 ERA. Uh, sorry, no, 1.52. 1.52. Um, so he could get a shot at it. And uh, what do you think, though, with the closing spot? Uh, who do you think will be our closer day one? I think it'll be Strope. Um. Yeah. There's not. There's not uh, a great choice. I mean, obviously, we saw Strope towards the end of the season when he wasn't injured. Um. One guy that I could see, uh, Carl Edwards Jr. Um. I don't know um if you have seen his new um his new pitching uh form. Um he's now throwing like Kenley Jansen. Um and if he can turn out to be um even somewhat remotely like Kenley Jansen, um that's a guy um that would be lethal to our bullpen, especially when Brandon Morrow's back. Um if Carl can stick to that, I mean, then you essentially have three to four closers on the roster who roster who are um, able to close out games and reliably do it. Yeah, um, I know I have in my analysis that I think C.J. Walpole will also have his best year of his career. 
Um, so, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the guy. And I also expect Tyler Chatwood to calm down a little bit this year. Um, I think he'll have a somewhat acceptable year. I think anything – I think all we know is that anything's better than what has already transpired with him in Chicago. But I wouldn't be surprised if he slotted into a nice, you know, two to three times a week uh, getting, you know, like sixth or seventh inning work. I don't know, like, if that would be the worst thing. What do you think about uh, Tyler Chatwood? Because, I mean, right now – still on the roster, so we got to do something with him. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, we're paying him $13 million, so um, mm-hmm. uh, there's not really a chance he can just um, – at least for me, I wouldn't just eat his contract. I'd I'd put him in the bullpen, see what he can do. Um, maybe he can be like Monty, uh, have a um, – even, even a mid-three ERA for him would be um, more yeah. than acceptable out of the bullpen next year. And he also provides a little bit of utility uh, value with the fact that he can spot start, you know, if there's an injury or something comes up, you know. We see yeah, pitchers get, like, like blisters and stuff like that. That sets him back one or two starts. And, I mean, we all know Tyler Chatwood's starting isn't great, but he can eat four to five innings. Yeah, definitely. So um, I wanted to go over our whole belt bullpen, too. I know we still have a few more minutes um, before we uh, move on to the Pirates. Um so, a few. So, what my projected bullpen is is Pedro Strope, Steve Ciszek, Carl Edwards Jr., Tyler Chatwood, Brad Brock. Um, so those are the righties, and then the lefties that I have are Mike Montgomery, Randy Rosario, and Xavier Sedano. I don't know if that's. I I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Um. So the few guys that I. Yeah. So the few guys that I don't have on there are um Brian Dunsing, Brandon Kitzler, and Tony Barnett. Um, I know we. I believe Tony Barnett was signed to um, a major league contract. I don't. I don't know how that will work out. Um, I just see that um, um, Sedano um, is a need on the roster. Um, he's a lefty arm, and with just Rosario and Montgomery, I think we're going to need that other lefty arm. And he's better than Dunson. Yeah. And as far as Kinsler goes. Um the addition of Brock hurts his status and also um, Montgomery is just better than uh, Kinsler. But do you have anything else to add for bullpen match before we get to the lineup? No, not really. I'm just, um, I'm definitely excited for it. I think that um, they're going to have a big season. Same here. So let's get into the projected starting lineup. Right now we have Zobris at the leadoff spot and first note that I have is um, it'll definitely be interesting to see who settles into the leadoff spot this year. Uh, we saw Joe do a ton of different things at the position last year, including Anthony Rizzo's two weeks of heroic status from the leadoff spot, hitting home runs every single day, it seems. But nothing was ever really settled with it. We knew Rizzo wasn't a long-term solution. So maybe someone will step up and take the leadoff spot day in and day out with success. Uh, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's Ben Zobris, maybe it's not. Um, but, Max, first question I have for you is, do you think Ben Zobris is the leadoff guy? Uh, for the future for this year? Um, like you said, uh, Joe likes to do a lot of different things, but um, first day of the season I project um, Zobris to be in the leadoff spot. I don't really see a better a better choice for um, for opening day. Um, I guess there's not – I know we face the Rangers opening day. Um, I, I believe Mike Miner will be starting for them. At least that's who's projected, who's a lefty. Um, I know things have been said about Descalso. Um, who he will be starting against, if that's a right-handed pitcher, a left-handed pitcher. 
Um, his splits are pretty good versus both. Um, they're actually better versus um, lefties, I believe. So, but something that I saw interesting was um, they had said that he won't be starting against lefties. Didn't make very much sense to me. Um, no matter where he's starting, if he's not starting, I, I would guess that Zobrist will slot into the second base spot. And then either Jason Hayward or Ian Happ will slot into the right field spot. Um, Elmora, I guess one would, um, he probably won't play every day. He'll probably be interchangeable with Hap. Um, yeah, the rest of our lineup, um, if you want to go over that. Yeah, so um, I think that for me, you talked about the scouts in the leadoff spot. I think that's my pick for who will settle in there. Um, and I think it's just right now it's not like that because it's his first year with the team, and that would be kind of bold to do something like that with a guy that was, like, not, you know, a big – a huge ad necessarily. Um, but other than that, I think if uh, the combination of Brizzo can return to 2016 Brizzo, um, we're going to see Bias, Contreras, and Schwarber are going to have field days uh, with early runs scored like we saw in 2016. Uh, tons of RBIs and home runs as well. Um, and then as far as our bench goes, I think uh, we'll, I think Victor Caratini, Victor Caratini's audition time may be running out with the Miguel Amaya possibly coming up in a couple years to take over catcher. Um, so I think uh, he's maybe got one more year. to he, He'd have to do something pretty incredible for uh, them to try to switch up their future plans with him. And then uh, the last thing I'll say about uh, the position players is that uh, Ian Happ and David Bode are going to be great guys off the bench this year. Uh, we'll obviously see Hayward uh, – you know, get in there as well. And he's, he's not worth his contract, but he's shown in the last couple of years that uh, he can get some clutch hits. He can even hit for unexpected power at times. Uh, so I, I really like those three off the bench. And obviously they won't be bench players. We'll see them starting about half the games, um, if not more. Uh, but I'll let, you, I'll let you close it out with your position players. Maybe you get your thoughts on uh, Caratini and then um, some of those uh, bench players with Cody and have. Yeah, like you said, um, they're not really bench guys. Uh, Joe likes to move lineups around a lot. Um, I'd guess that um, Wilson Contreras will be the everyday catcher. Um, like you said, Caratini catching for him once or twice a week when he needs a break. Um, uh, like I said earlier, Hayward and Hap, I would guess that they would both start versus right-handed pitchers. Um, their splits are both far better versus right-handed pitchers. And David Bodie is an interesting one for me. Um, like you said about um, third base, Chris Bryant isn't a guy um, you really see sitting a lot. Um, he plays a lot of games when healthy. Um, obviously, we didn't see that last season, so we saw Bodie a lot more. Um, I would guess that Bodie will play um, – probably more second base than third base um, just with the um, weaker position at second base. Uh, we only have Descalso, Hap, and um, Zobris who um, are able to play there. So really I would, I would most likely um, guess that we'll see Bodie more at second than third, just due um, to KB being at third base. Yep. And so now we're going to get into a few of the X factors. Uh, max that we outlined for the Cubs season. <clears throat> and the first one is health. And obviously we saw health really take the Cubs' chances at the title away last year. 
Um, and as we saw, Morrow's injury really hurt, and KB never seemed to be right after the shoulder injury sidelined him. And then obviously the U Darvish um, barely playing, uh, but he seems good to go. And, you know, Morrow's starting the year injured still, but KB's back. So I think it'll be key for the Cubs to stay healthy and then get Brandon Morrow healthy uh, throughout the year. Do you have anything else to add for uh, some of the players to stay healthy? Um, not really. Like you said, uh, obviously we just want to see um, KB and Darvish stay healthy, um, especially after Morrow is healthy. We hope he can stay healthy the rest of the year. Um, obviously, um, wasn't healthy at all last year. I don't. He was on the DL for quite a while. Um, we're hoping that's not the case this season. Um, obviously, we have guys that can fill in in the closer role, but um, I think we'd both rather see Moro than Strout pitching out of the closer role. Yeah, definitely. Um, and another guy that we're going to need to see kind of come back is Ian Happ. And I'll let you open it up about Ian Happ and what you want to see out of Ian Happ for him to be an X-Factor for the Cubs this year. Um, Ian Happ is one of my favorite players on this roster. Um, Gets on base, hits for power. Um, Obviously, a lot of people um, diss him for the amount of strikeouts he hits, or not hits, um, but the amount of times he strikes out. Um, I think next year is... um, the year that Hap really breaks out. Um, by that time, I see him uh, being, I wouldn't say the everyday starting center fielder, but I'd see him starting, um, if you play six games a week, I see him starting four or five. Um, I, re- I like Elmora, but uh, the dude just can't get on base. I mean, and really, I don't I don't see his defense making up for it. Um, Elmora's, Elmora and Hap are probably two of my favorite players on this team, but um, I really like um, Hap has a really high ceiling, unlike Elmora. Um, Elmora only got on base about 32% of the time last season, uh, Hap 35. Obviously, when you look at it, 3% isn't a huge difference, but um, sometimes it can come down to that. Um, obviously, you don't want to take Elmora's glove out of center field either, but um, if Hap is performing at a level that is just better than Amora, um, I don't think Joe really has a choice. Yeah, um, I think that I'm a little bit higher on Albert than you, um, because the mentioned you know defense that he provides, and I feel like Elmora still is making plays at you know relatively high rate, whether it's, it's defensively or offensively. It seems like he gets the job done at times. Uh, you know, he, he he's relatively clutch. Um, and, you know, one other guy then, obviously, uh, for our X-Factors is you Darvish. And, you know, the ceiling's there of League Cy Young, but only time will tell with his health. But um, a couple other impactful prospects that the Cubs uh, will possibly be seeing this year uh, include Adbert Elzeway, Duncan Robinson, Dakota Meeks, and Justin Steele, uh, possible call-up when the rosters expand. Um, are there any other prospects, Max, that you think we might see for – roster expansion this year? Um, we might see a few infielders. Um, I'd guess that there won't be any impactful guys other than those four. I know um, when I was at the Cubs convention, um, I don't remember. The Cubs player development guy was talking about um, Duncan Robinson and Dakota Meeks, how they could affect the bullpen this year. 
Um, so I'm pretty high on them. I'm hoping that they can make a difference. Uh, they're both righties. Um, Azule, we'll see him probably later in the season as well. Um, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. And then, uh, the last thing for the Cubs are just a couple off season moves. Obviously we talked about right-hander Brad Brock. Um, he signed a one-year deal for $3 million and I wouldn't be surprised if he had a pretty big role at the beginning of the year with Brandon Morrow out. And then the Cubs also signed infielder Daniel Descalso to fill in for Daniel Murphy, who's now at Rocky. Uh, Max, do you want to talk about uh, Xavier Cedeno and then go to the ads? Yeah, uh, Cedeno is a guy, like like I said earlier, um, he's been on five teams in his eight-year career. Um, a low-risk signing, um, definitely a high reward. He was pretty probably his best year of his career last year um, with the Brewers and White Sox. I'm really hoping he can stay the same, especially as a lefty. Um, we haven't had a reliable lefty. Um, I know we had Justin Wilson last season. I don't know if you want to call him reliable or not, uh, but I'm really hoping Sedano can um, be reliable in that bullpen, and I'm hoping that he can uh, be a guy there. In this week's episode of the Marlins Catch, we will be having our first ever NL East preview show, joined by the Amazing Mets podcast and the guys from FanCast of the Phillies. You guys definitely do not want to miss that at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Monday night. We will also be covering the rest of the NL East with the Nationals and the Braves. You guys definitely do not want to miss that as well. We will be having our standings predictions in the NL East and our World Series predictions plus playoffs. We're having all our predictions right here on the Marlins Catch Podcast at 7.30 p.m. You guys definitely do not want to miss it. All right, welcome back into the seventh episode of the Ivy as we're doing our NL Central preview. Um, and we bring in now Benson uh, to talk about the Pirates. Um, as our producer behind the scenes, he's a Pirates fan. He runs the Pirates account on Instagram. Uh, we're going to let him open it up first, I think would be a good thing to do. And then uh, Max and I will give our take. Uh, Benson, first off, I'd like you to just kind of give an overview of what you think for the Pirates and then dive into the rotation first. Yeah, so uh, as you're saying, thanks for uh, having me on here. And just to prelude what I'm about to say here, um, we were talking about this off air, but there is definitely a um, – a stark contrast between the way you guys see the Pirates and the way I see them. The way I see them going into 2019 is certainly there's plenty of pessimism in the city of Pittsburgh right now, a lot more than in years past. Certainly there are no 100-loss record predictions, but there are a lot of you know, stellar fifth-place predictions. This tends to happen with the Pirates because you know we don't make many moves during the offseason. They tend to stay pe- Pat, and with the way the payroll is right now at standing at $68 million, there's certainly room for criticism there. But overall, the Pirates, the only player that they're losing heading into the 2019 season, Josh Harrison, who still technically is not the door yet, and then the trade of Yvonne Nova. But besides that, same roster pretty much as we saw last year. This team won 82 games. They're a young, exciting team. And watch out for them in 2019. I believe they're going to surprise a lot of people. All right. Um, thank you, Benson. And uh, so we're going to dive right into the rotation here. Um, first off, uh, they, their ace is Jameson Tyon. Um, I think everyone here, all three of us, agree that Jameson is a clutch ace. He's a very good ace. Um and I have nothing bad to say about Jameson. 
Uh, Benson, do you have anything to add about Jamison? Do you think he, uh, you know, is a Cy Young candidate eventually? Max, do you have anything? Um, like you said, Thomas, Jamison is a guy I like. I definitely think he can be um, an ace this coming year and an ace um, in the future for the Pirates. I, I would guess that um, eventually they'll lock him up um, like the Phillies did with Nola and like the Yankees did with um, Luis Severino. I definitely think uh, he's he's their ace in upcoming years. Um, but one guy I don't see doing that well this coming season is Chris Archer. Um, they traded for him last season. Um, I, I just don't see a great season for him. Um, especially in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know how well he was with the Pirates last season in that second half. Um, but I don't know. I just don't see a strong season from Chris Archer. Uh, Benson, Thomas, what do you guys think about that? That's a good yeah, so I just want to talk about Jameson Town here real quick. Uh, I mean, obviously he is the ace. He was just named the opening day starter by Clint Hurdle. Uh, Chris Archer named the home opener starter. But regarding Jameson Tyone, he had a very rough start to the 2018 season. Uh, In his second start, he had his first complete game against the Cincinnati Reds. But after that, he sort of just fell apart. But definitely found himself in his final 27 starts of the year. 26 of the last 27 starts to end 2018, he gave up three earned runs or less. And in his only start that he gave up more than three earned runs, it was to the St. Louis Cardinals where he gave up four. Jameson Tyon is the clear ace of this Pittsburgh Pirates rotation. And yes, I believe they will lock him up after this season. Keep in mind, he is a year younger than guys like Nola and Severino. But the Pirates still have four more years of control one of the budding superstar pitchers in the league. He had 14 wins last year, a 3.20 ERA. And if you look at his ERA in his final 27 starts, it was 2.14. Jameson Tyone is a clear ace of this rotation, and I am beyond excited to see him pitch coming up in the 2019 season. And just to touch on the Chris Archer point as well here, he came over and, you know, expectations were high. The Pirates were only a couple games back at the wild card, and – the move, it was the first time Neil Huntington had went all in, it seemed, and tried to push for a Pirates playoff berth. Now, that did not work out in August as he did not pitch well at all. But September hit, and Ray Sears and Francisco Cervelli and Archer, they went to the drawing board, and they said, Chris, you got to go from the stretch, and you got to listen to Cervelli. When he did that, in his five starts in September, he had a 1.24 ERA. Full off season. Full spring, Cervelli's going to be his catcher. Sears just his pitching coach. I'd also expect a big year from Chris Archer. Him and Jamu at the top of that rotation, and that's just the beginning. But this rotation is going to be one of the best in the National League, if not all of baseball. So, uh, Thomas, um, I'll, I'll let you touch on that, uh, Thomas. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, I'm really with the tie-on and Archer train. Um, I'll give you that, Benson. Uh, I definitely more on Archer than Max's, but um, we definitely seen Archer's inconsistencies flare up. Uh, so I do think the potential is there for him. Uh, the problem here for me is the three through five, and I, I know you're going to disagree, Benson, but for me, when I just look at it with the numbers, I don't watch this team every day. But you know, Trevor Williams has some decent potential. It seems, um, and you look at Joe Musgrove. He's yet to see a sub-4 ERA in the first three years in the majors. And, and then Jordan Lyles, I know he's not the first-year five, but I, 
I know there's a competition going there around for the five spot, but he skipped around a few teams in the last year, including the Padres and Brewers last year, and he has a career five two eight ERA in eight seasons for Lyle. So um, that that's a number where it has me questioning why he would be in any MLB starting rotation even or talked about it. So that's a question for you, Benson, because either I'm missing something important or the Pirates just really like Lyles for a different reason. I don't know if you have any insight into that, but I'll let you open I'll let you open to that. And then also um, I'd like to get into the bullpen as well so that we can finish this in the next seven, eight minutes. Yeah, so just looking at Trevor Williams, I want to start off with Tim. Last season was his true breakout year. And really when he was put into the rotation in 2017, his first career start was – horrendous. It was NLA. I believe he gave it like seven runs in the first two innings. It was terrible. But since then, he has been one of, if not the most reliable starter in this Pirates rotation. Last year, he had a 14-10 and 10 record with a 3.05 ERA. His second half ERA was the best Pirates second half ERA out of all their pitchers ever. Second best of all time. It was sub one. It was a 0.98 second half ERA. Absolutely dominant pitcher. And this is why I believe that they're going to be one of the top rotations. You have Tyone, Archer, and Williams. And we get to Musgrove. Now, I know he had a little bit of a shaky year last year, but it was his best year as a starter. 69 record, a 4.13 ERA. And he didn't even – his debut came May 26th. Um, so he didn't start the season off, you know, on time. But he – from about May to August, he had – a lower ERA than Garrett Cole with the Astros, and, you know, the Pirates got Musgrove in the Cole trade. He was shut down early in September, and part of his rough starts late happened because of that injury. I don't know if you guys remember this, but um, back, I want to say June maybe, uh, the, the Joe Musgrove, when he, slid, when he slid hard in the Javi Baez, he instantly became a fan favorite in Pittsburgh, and, you know, the Pirates and the Cubs, they definitely do have, you know, that rivalry. And that Joe Musgrove hard slide came from Anthony Rizzo, dirty slide uh, into Elias Diaz. And, you know, Joe Musgrove has become a fan favorite ever since. He's a fiery pitcher. I'd compare him to a Chris Archer type guy. And, I mean, he could have a sub-4 ERA. And even with a 4.13 ERA, that's a good fourth starter. And we get into Jordan Lyles as the fifth starter. He's going to be in competition with Stephen Brault, Nick Kingham, Francisco Liriano. But his last 15 outings in 2018, he had a 2.57 ERA. Ray Searge is notorious for turning journeymen like Lyles into great pitchers again. Look at Francisco Liriano. Look at Edinson Volquez. Look at A.J. Burnett. That could happen with Jordan Lyles. And there is a guy in the wings, top 10 prospect in all of baseball, Mitch Keller. He's coming up quick, and he could be Garrett Cole circa 2013 and help the Pirates make a late playoff push. Um, honestly, I, I haven't looked much into um, Jordan Lyles or Joe Musgrove. Um, I was just uh, I was looking into them actually just a little while ago. Um, Joe Musgrove, um, like Benson said, 4.13 ERA, uh, not horrible, Um but really, uh, if you look at the Cubs rotation, um, I take Darvish over uh, Musgrove any day of the week. Um, obviously, it's it's ha- it's really hard to compare two rotations. Um, but Musgrove is a guy that um, I don't see having a good year. Uh, but Trevor Williams is a guy that um, uh, um, 
I definitely see him sliding into the two spot over Archer sometime during the season. Um, I, I see him having, um, obviously it's, uh, nearly impossible to have, um, a 0.98 ERA over a whole season, but, um, I see him having a mid three, just under three ERA next season. Um, and like I said, I wasn't, I'm not very high on Chris Archer. Um, the same goes for Jordan Lyles and Joe Musgrove. Um, Thomas, Thomas and Benson, you guys both mentioned some good points about them. Um, but overall, I don't see a great season from Lyles. Um, I know Nick Kingham um, is a guy that could slide into the fifth spot if Lyles isn't pitching well, um, as long as Mitch Keller, Keller like you said, uh, Benson. Uh, we'll see when he's up. And um, even if so, I don't see the Pirates um, making a playoff push. I see them being um, in the bottom of the division somewhere. Um, Benson, I know you'll, I know you'll disagree with that. Um, I mean, if you want to give us some, some points on why you see them at the top of the division, um, even second place, I mean, that's over the Brewers, Cardinals or Cubs. Um, so, I mean, if you want to touch on that, then yes, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, the modern baseball, good pitching beats good hitting. You look at that pitching staff, they're going to be in every single game, one through four, and, I mean, Lyles, I agree, is questionable, but he's going to be in competition with Liriano, Kingham, Brault, so whoever wins that. It's, it might be a little bit rough in the five spot until Kellen comes up. But one to four, they're going to be in every single game. And that's going to be a big part of why they're going to be in competition for the NL Central. I don't know if you guys saw the, you know, Pakoda projections, but they have every single team in the division being, you know, a 500 or above team. Pirates last year had the best interdivision record out of any team in the division, and if they can continue that success, we can all agree that NL Central is going to be a bloodbath this year. It's going to be whoever competes the best against the interdivision opponents. And if the Pirates can do that, I would not be surprised if they take home the Central Crown or at least are in competition for that Central Crown. Um, Yeah, um, so for me with that, uh, I just – I, you know, this gets to the bullpen too, but I see uh, Tyone and Archer getting their job done. But when it comes down to it, um, I, I can't agree with you with the, uh, I, I guess I can see the Williams call. Um, but Williams is like, I mean, let's not, let's, let's chill out a little bit with him in, in some respect. Um, but Williams, Musgrove, and Lyles, I think it's going to really put a lot of, you know, you talk about high leverage games in the division. That's going to put a lot of stress on those starters. I don't know how many outings you're going to get from Williams, Musgrove, and Lyles that they go over five, six innings. And when that comes into play, you go to your bullpen. And I really like Vasquez. Um, and I think Crick is a really intriguing young guy. Um, I like the Kila trade, but I think he's, 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 he's okay. Um, but like I said, I think uh, Tyone and Archer can get their business done. But like I said before, too, um, Archer can be inconsistent at times. And I think the bullpen may be just too busy uh, with, with Williams, Musgrove, and Lyles being relatively inconsistent. Uh, when, over, when over half of your starting rotation, you know, you're not sure if you can get over five innings with. Um, it's not that any of the, the bullpen players are bad. I do want to say that. But um, – I think we all know that too many bullpen innings is never a good thing in the MLB. Mm-hmm. 
and then, yeah, then we can talk about I, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want, want to segue a little bit into the bullpen talk, because I know, I mean, you're doubting that Trevor Williams can give the team six, seven innings a game when he had a 3.05 ERA last year, but that's besides the point. We'll look at the bullpen. Best back in uh, bullpen in baseball, arguably, with the Yankees. They have Felipe Vasquez, 2.70 ERA last year. Kyle Crick, 2.53 ERA. Keone Kella, 2.93 ERA with the Pirates. And a sneaky guy that you guys, I believe I've forgotten about, is Richard Rodriguez, rookie last year at a 2.46 ERA. Vasquez had 89 strikeouts. Rich Rod had 88. Don't sleep on him. Then you get to some sleepers. I mean, th- those four are arguably one of the best four in baseball. I'll take them up against anybody on any given day, and I'll take that rotation against anybody as well. You look at the long relief guys, the Nick Hayner is going to be in there. Four relievers in baseball. So you think those four relievers. guys are over the Yankees in Chapman, Batances, um, who am I forgetting? Wait. Yeah, I'm talking about the Yankees. Yankees. I just want to clarify. I just want to clarify. You said those four, you would take, like, those four would are, like, the top four baseball relievers in the MLB. Because you take them against it's, it's anyone. The best, it's the best back end, yes. The Yankees, they do have Chapman. They do have the Kansas. They do no, have Britain. Go ahead. It's definitely a hot yeah, take. Yeah, so Vasquez, at, at this point, Ch- Chapman is on the decline. Vasquez is better than Chapman at this point. I Do you agree with wait, that? Wait, wait, <laughs> Okay. Okay, I think Vasquez is good. Like, I think he's like a... I, like a top ten reliever in the league, top but 10. I don't, I don't, I don't see Chapman necessarily declining. So, so in, in two thousand sixteen, okay, let him talk, Max. Benson, go ahead. Make okay. Okay. Yeah. So Vasquez, I'm, I'm just gonna put point blank. He's better than Chapman. Chapman's uh, velocity is eventually gonna go down. Vasquez is still on the rise. He had the record for most saves by Pirates lefty last year, and he really struggled for the first part of the season, and he dominated in his second half. He's just going to continue that dominance that he's had since the Pirates traded Mark Melanson to the Nationals. And Neil Huntington, he turned Mark Melanson into Felipe Vasquez and Keone Kella. Kella was a dominant closer for the Rangers before we acquired him. He didn't even pitch a full – he was shut down in September, a 2.93 ERA in his time in Pittsburgh. I mean – Th- those two are similar to the, the Mark Melanson, Jason Grilly type back end in 2013. This this back end with Vasquez, with Kella, then you go to the seventh and Kyle Crick. I mean, he was one of the best eighth inning guys before they acquired Kella. And Richard Rodriguez, who struck out 88 guys and Vasquez struck out 89. You take those four, you put them up against anybody, and they are all under the age of 28 years old. This rotation, this pitching staff in general is young. They're exciting. They're going to be here for a long time, and they're only going to get better. It, it is arguably, if you look at it through my eyes, the best, if, if not the best, pitching staff in all of baseball, and they're young and controlled. Thomas. Right, um, uh, <sighs> for me, um, I, I, we obviously disagree. Um, I think, like Max said, Vasquez for me is a top ten guy uh, closer. I think Keel and Crick are great players. 
Um, I think Rodriguez has a great future, but I would yet to put them in uh, conversations with the best um, because, like we've seen with the Cubs, um, it seems like when you start putting these guys, labeling them with other players, um, expectations get switched. And when that happens and your expectation is wrong, um, it can create uh, a difference between a difference among a fan base of what a player's value means. And um, I love the enthusiasm, Benson, and all the numbers make sense. But the problem I see with it is all those numbers make sense, but all those numbers have to all hit at one time. Um, and everything would have to go right. I think you understand that. But you just have to be careful with um, – you know, what a player's value means uh, when you throw words like that out there, comparing them already to grace is just what I'm going to say about the rotation. And Max, I'll let you go, and then we'll get into the lineup. And Ben, if you have anything to say, go ahead. Um, I agree with you, Thomas Benson. Uh, um, they were good last year. Um, you can't disagree with that. The stats show they were good. Um, yeah, I mean, you said they were a top, a top – what do you say? They were one of the back, best back ends in baseball? They are the, the best back end, in my opinion. You believe they're the best back end in baseball? You you can argue that they are better than the Yankees at this point just because they're right up there, but they, they're also controllable and have a brighter future than the Yankees guys. Okay, but this this coming year, in the, in this coming year, do you think they will be better? Not talking about the future at all. Only talking about this upcoming year. Do you think they'll be better than the Yankees' back end? Yeah, he does. Yes. Yes. So, if so, last season you had Kella at a two point nine seven FIP. Um, and all my, so, like you said, they're all really young. Um, that's that's always something you like to see. Um, but um, you said Chad on a decline. Uh, Chapman hasn't shown to me any sort of decline. Um, obviously, a not great 2017 3.22 ERA, 2.56 FIP. So really, um, really wasn't lucky at all. If anything, he was unlucky. Um, 2018, he had a 2.45 ERA and a 2.09 FIP. Um, comparing that to Vasquez, um, obviously we know Vasquez is younger, but I wouldn't. I would not necessarily take Vasquez over Chapman currently. Uh, Vasquez, 2.7 ERA, um, 2.43 FIP. Um, Obviously, you can't grade him off those two stats, but I'd still take uh, Chapman over Vasquez just just because he's been so reliable over the past few seasons. Um, Obviously, Vasquez has been really, really good the past two seasons, but, I mean, Chapman has been good for – what six years now? Um, obviously, he was great in Cincinnati uh, when he started his career in 2010, all the way up through now pitching with the Cubs um, and the Yankees. Still, um, for me, I'd still take the the Yankees uh, back end. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you. The Pirates is going to be good, but like Thomas said, everything is going to have to hit perfectly. Um, Kel is going to have to be healthy, um, and they're all going to have to have a great 
um, year to be one of the best back ends, if not the best back, best back end, like you said. Yeah, and I, I just one last thought here on the bullpen before we get to the lineup. Vasquez, Richard Rodriguez, Kyle Crick, and Keone Kella all had sub-three ERAs. Those are four guys with sub-three ERAs. Take them against anybody. And you also have some wild cards in, back from them as well. You have a guy, Nick Birdie, Rule 5 draft pick. He has a 97-mile-per-hour fastball, nasty slider. He will most likely be on the opening day roster. And then you also have a guy, Michael Felice, one of the highest K per nine rate, and he's going to be good as well. But I do want to get to the lineup and just talk, touch on that here. Uh, the lineup, it's really going to be a wild card. The, the Pirates are betting on internal improvements amongst guys such as, you know, Josh Bell, Colin Moran. If those guys can improve, if Dickerson can get his power numbers back, uh, the, this lineup is going to be sneaky good. Um, yeah, for me with the lineup, um, I think it's really sneaky in my opinion. Um, I love the move to get Corey Dickerson from Tampa, um, but I still think that Marte is the best uh, position player on this team. And um, another 20-homer season last season, he saw a little dip in his numbers, but he's still a great player. And uh, Josh Bell isn't too shabby either. Um, I think, you know, the one through four with Frazier, Dickerson, Marte, Bell, um, at least that's what we have it as. I think that one through four is pretty tough uh, for any team in the Central. But, uh, you know, much like the rotation, as it, for me at least, um, I'm not – it seems a little flat at the end of the lineup. Uh, you know, there's a semi-shiny new toy in Lonnie Chisenhall for me when I look at that. But uh, he, he can get some sneaky power. But, you know, call, the likes of Colin Moran and Eric Gonzalez, I can't get excited about. Uh, for the Pirates, so much like the rotation for me, it's top-heavy, um, and that'll be good at times. They'll score a lot of runs in the first inning, um, but over a whole long, a whole 162-game year, I just don't know if it's viable, and that's where I see them coming up a little short. Um, but I'll let you, I'll let uh, Benson you go ahead and talk about the uh, lineup. Yeah. So at the end of the 2018 season, the Pirates fired Jeff Branson and Jeff Lindsay, the two hitting coaches. Plain and simple, there was another power outage that just didn't hit home runs. And if you want to be a competitive baseball team, you have to hit home runs. Now the Pirates went out, and they got Rick Eckstein and Jacob Cruz to take over the hitting coach positions. And I just want people to remember that Gregory Polanco is slated to come back between mid-April and mid-June. Lonnie Chisnall is only going to be taking over right field, and he will probably be in competition with Melky Cabrera for that spot for maybe only a couple weeks, Gregory Polanco will be back. Last year, in he played uh, April through August, 23 home runs, 81 RBIs. He turned it down down the stretch. He can be a 30-100 type guy in that road, in that lineup. Adam Frazier, one of, he's one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball. He struggled mightily in the first couple months. Uh, he took over for Josh Harrison when he got hurt down in Miami, but. When he came back, he had a 321 average, and David Freeze even said that Adam Frazier is going to win a batting title one day. He is that good. Then we get to, obviously, Corey Dickerson, 300 average last year. Home runs were a bit down. If he can get his power back, 20 home run guy, this lineup is going to be that much better. We get to Marte. If he can continue what he's been doing, especially last year, put that over to this year, we'll be golden. Josh Bell arguably had a better 
season overall hitting last year, but the power just wasn't there from his rookie season. He had 26 home runs rookie year. Uh, it was not – I think it was 12 or 13 last year. If he can get back to that 25-plus home run guy right in the middle of that rotation, he can be a dominant cleanup hitter. And don't forget about Francisco Cervelli either. Career year last year uh, actually had a better year than Wilson Contreras objectively looking at – you know, the advanced saber metrics. And then backing up, Elias Diaz, the best catching tan in baseball in Cervellian Diaz. You really can't argue that. Uh, let me get down to Colin Moran. Uh, he had a good year for a rookie. And we also can't forget about Jung-Ho Gong. Gong, in his last full season in the majors, before, uh, you know, your guy Chris Causen tore up his whatever in his knee, um, He's 25 home run season. If he can put that in the lineup, it'll be great. And then the big question mark that we can all agree on is Eric Gonzalez slash Kevin Newman at the shortstop position. The organization is high on Eric Gonzalez. They say he's like a young Freddie Galvis. I believe he's going to win that opening day shortstop. Newman certainly could as well. I compare Newman to like a Matt Duffy type player. But then the Pirates have some guys coming up through the system right now. Cole Tucker being the closest to the majors. He'll probably start the year in AAA. They could push him along like they pushed Austin Meadows last year. Uh, Cole Tucker, I believe, is the future of this, the shortstop position. But behind him, they have somebody even better, O'Neill Cruz. He's going to be the big breakout prospect in the system this year. So while the shortstop position may be in question right now, it's, it's not going to be any worse, I think, than what we had in Jordy Mercer last season. All right. Um, for me, I, I, the Adam Frazier thing, uh, I think he's a good player, but, uh, you know, I he had a 342 on base. So, that's, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't see the the, um, the batting title there. But, uh, for the record, I do like Gregory Polanco. Um, I do think he's a good player. I think 30 and 100 is a little lofty, but I think the 30 number is fine. Uh, I don't know about the RBIs, um, but, you know, maybe because the guys ahead of him will be getting on base. Um, and then uh, I'll let Max go ahead and talk about the, the rest of the lineup. Um, like you said, Thomas, uh, Adam Frazier, the dude had a 342 on base percentage, uh, 277 batting average. Um, I don't see uh, – I don't know, Benson, what you said about – I think he, you said he batted 300, 320 uh, the last half of the season. Um, but 342, you have to look at the whole season. So you have to be consistent the whole season. doesn't matter if you're consistent – the second half of the season, not the first. Um, no matter what, over the whole season, he had a 342 on base. 2017, he had a 344. Um, and in 2016, only played 66 games, had a 356. Um, that averages out to be a 345 on base throughout his entire career so far um, and a 280 average. Um, obviously, he's still young, only 26. Um, I don't want to necessarily take away uh, – I'm not saying that he never will be a batting champ, but as of now, um, the stats don't show it. So he would have to make um, a major improvement um, from last season to this upcoming season um, to be a batting champ in the future, whether that's next year, two years, three years, um, because you don't just suddenly hit more balls, um, whether that's um, – and especially the 342 on base – um, it's not like he's down in the 320s. Um, I don't know. I I don't watch the Pirates a lot, so um, and it doesn't look like he's striking out a lot either. Um, 
played in 113 games last season, only struck out 53 times. So I don't really see a solution for him um, getting on base more or hitting for more average. I guess I guess you can always do better at the plate, um, but I don't see a solution here or in the future for this guy. Right, yeah, um, uh, just a quick. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, quick comment on Adam Frazier. Uh, in July, he had a 375 batting average, uh, 375 on base. In August, 338 average, 409 OBP. And the, the big reason why he had those struggles was because he wasn't an everyday guy. He was a super utility guy to play outfield, infield. He's not the permanent second baseman. It's going to be his first full year, permanent job. You're the second baseman. Go. He does well this year. I mean, it, it's going to help having that full-time second-base position. He's going to have, in my opinion, an over 300 average. Band title might be a little bit lofty, but he'll be able to compete for that in the future, uh, in my opinion. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Um, we're going to get into uh, a few more sections. Uh, we're going to talk about a few X-Factors. Uh, I know for me, at least, I really want to see how Crick develops and Dan will be level, and also how they progress uh, Gong when he comes when he's ready to get him back, uh, and uh, to what he was before the injury occurred. Um, Max, what are a couple X factors that you see that the Pirates need uh, to hit for them to uh, meet the expectations of Benson? Um, like Benson has said earlier, uh, Mitch Keller, one one of their top prospects, uh, well, one of the top prospects in the whole MLB, actually. Um, I think he definitely has to hit this year. Um, he needs to be a top starter in their rotation. Um, obviously, I wouldn't put him up by um, Jameson Talon uh, yet. Um, he has the potential, like like Benson said earlier, to be um, Garrett Cole. Um, another guy that I like, not necessarily like, but um, necessar- uh, he kind of needs to hit for them, um, is Brandon Maurer. Uh, he's a bullpen guy. Um, I know we we said we all have said some things about their bullpen earlier. Um, they have some great guys in the back end of that bullpen, but um, you can't rely on four guys all season. Uh, you got to have more than that, and I really think um, Mauer is going to need to be one of those guys um, for them to um, possibly make a playoff push. Um, I know um, Benson met, mentioned Kevin Kramer earlier. Um, I know he was up last season. I don't know his exact stats. Um, and like I said, too, um, I'm not super high on Frazier. Um, Benson made some good points about him, though. Um, and Eric Gonzalez as well at shortstop. But there's some upcoming guys, too. So um, if everything hits for them, yeah, it could be a playoff. It could be a playoff run, playoff push, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but really, I don't see that happening because um, – most of the time, things don't always hit. Um, in 2016, for the Cubs, really everything did hit. Uh, we had one injury, and that was Dexter Fowler. So, um, really, you have to have every single piece hit. And in 2016, the Cubs did. But they also had some of the best players in the game. Um, you had Chris Bryant win MVP that season. Uh, both Lester and Hendricks in Cy Young conversation. Um and really, I don't see I don't see an MVP on this team for the Pirates. Um, you could argue Talon is a Cy Young candidate next season. Um, I I think he's really um gonna be really good, but really I don't see um 
the ability to push into the playoffs and compete with other teams such as the Dodgers, um, Braves, Phillies with Harper, um, Cubs, mm-hmm. um, any of those teams. All right, I'm going to give my last overall and final thoughts on the Pirates, and then, Benson, I'm going to shift it over to you um, before we go to the ads. So, for me, um, I think the Pirates offense is going to really have to carry them this year to win games, along with some of the bullpen arms. I think the top four, like I mentioned, with Frazier, Dickerson, Marte, and Bell, will have to get on base early and often, and they'll need strong consistency from guys like Chris Vasquez and Kella, who could all have great years like they have been. Um, even though Tyon is a true ace, I do feel like the Pirates rotation is where their downfall will be. Um, I do, unfortunately, for Benson's sake, predict the Pirates uh, to be fifth in the NL Central. Um, but I do think the Pirates will get everyone in the Central competitive division game uh, like they always do. But I think over a course of the whole season, they just don't have as much talent uh, necessarily as the Cubs, Cardinals, and Brewers. Um, I, th- I actually like the Reds a little bit better, and we'll talk about it later um, because of their new additions. But Benson... Only time will tell who is right on this side of the story, and I want you to give your overall and closing thoughts on the Pirates. Yeah, so if I had to give my, like, overall mindset heading into 2019, think of this, 2000, it's like 2018 was 2012. 2013 is going to be what the 19 season is going to look like. From 13 to 15, the Pirates made three straight playoff appearances. Uh, I think, like, 19 is the start. There are not at – there are – the external predictions are maybe, and this is just my opinion, but one of the more garbage predictions I've ever seen. The Reds are not going to jump from 67 wins up above a team that won 82 games last year, and people forget that about the Pirates. Nobody is leaving from the roster besides Josh Harrison. They're not going to go 10 wins worse. They're not going to be a 90-loss team. This team was one win a month away from being a postseason caliber baseball team. You don't think Archer and Keller are going to push that to one extra one a month? You know, Archer's going to be starting at least twice, three times a month. So you throw that into there. And then you look at the lineup. Yes, it's going to be a question mark, but it could really hit. And just to hit on your point, Thomas, the, the rotation is going to be the strong point of this team. There's really no arguing that if you look at their numbers in the bullpen as well. This Pirates team is going to be sneaky. They're going to be competitive. And at the end of the day, this is not going to be popular among you guys, but they're going to win 97 games to win the division. Um, they're going to surprise a heck of a lot of people. And this is just going to be the start of a run because this team is a young, controllable core, and they're going to be good in the future. And it starts in 2019. Before you go to the ad, Benson, I just want to say one thing. So you said 97 games, but – you said that a prediction to go from 67 to 82 for the Reds is garbage when, you know, the Pirates didn't lose anyone. So how did the Pirates not gain anyone and they gained, and they gained uh, 16 wins? 15 wins. 15 wins. Okay. Because uh, isn't that the same yeah, argument? Just, I mean. Well, no, it, let me hear on this real quick. So the, the Pirates, mean, they're going to. The, the Reds added yeah. players and they can gain 15 games, but the Pirates didn't add anyone. Here's the thing. They're a young group that just got their first taste of winning last year. It may have not been postseason winning, but they were in the race for a little while. They're going to move together as a group, and they're going to get better as a group. And the rotation in the bullpen never came fully together until July. And we saw when they ran off that 11-game winning streak, 17 wins in the month of July. 
and how hot they started the season as well. Yes, it, it may be a stretch to get to that 97 win point, but if you look at the rotation and how good they're going to be, I know you guys are skeptical about them, but if they hit the way I believe they're going to hit, it's a reasonable argument to say they're going to win 97 games if the bullpen is as good as I believe they will be and the rotation is as good as I believe they're going to be. But the lineup, the lineup is still, the lineup is still, okay. I was just gonna, you can go right up. I was just gonna say that that's totally fine to have a prediction like that, but um, for people, but then you have to say the same thing for people making the Reds to go from 67 to 82 because they have a a young core of guys. You look at their guys; they have Peraza, they have Jeanette, they have Suarez, they have Winker, they bring in Puig, they have Barnhart. You know, that's a young, young team. They have Sonny Gray. so you have to say you, you have to validate the argument for people who have the red team more games if you're going to have the Pirates winning 15 more when they didn't add anyone. And that's a, and Max, a fair point. I'll, I'll I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. And Max, go ahead with whatever you were going to say. So my so my thoughts are if he has the Pirates at 97 wins, um, like he said, if the um, the starting pitching and the bullpen. Um, yeah, they have a huge chance uh, to all hit, but the lineup, lineup is mis. Uh, I wouldn't say miserable. Cervelli's underrated. Um, it's and not if ever, they have, they, if, they if have everyone hits in the lineup, then yeah, it could work. Um, but the chances of that happening probably less than five percent. Um, and if you look at ninety-seven win teams from uh, the past few seasons. Uh, you have Red Sox, you have Yankees, you have Astros, you have Cubs. Um, you have. You also have the Pirates. They from did it. 2000 f- in 2015. But let me finish my point. Team. Yeah, they let me finish it. my point. So, on each of those teams, you have a pretty reliable starting rotation, pretty reliable bullpen, and a pretty reliable. Um, lineup and one of those is a strong suit for every team um if not strong suits if you don't have um a strong suit in all of those i mean if you look at a team like the yankees um really all of their spots are pretty good uh their bullpen's good their starting rotation is good and their starting lineup is good um now that's not saying there's a weak that there's not a weak spot in the on their team um I, i would say there is at first base um, but we'll, we won't get into that. But you really have to have a great um, – you have to have a good starting rotation, bullpen, and starting lineup, especially in this um, tough NL Central um, with the Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers all with arguably better lineups than the Pirates. Um, the Pirates would really have to hit in nearly every spot to get to 97 games. 97 wins. Sorry about that. All right. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from on that point. That's going to be my last point before we head to the ad. But okay. really, the Pirates lineup isn't – it's not – I know you almost said miserable, and they're really not. The big question mark and the only liability I believe that I could see on the field is at that shortstop position. Uh it, yes, it's going to be tough, but the Pirates had the best interdivision record in the Central last year. If that carries over into 2019, 
I believe, and I'm just going to say this as a blanket statement, whoever has the best interdivision record is going to win this division. If it's the Pirates, they're going to win it. If it's the Cubs, they're going to win it. If it's the Reds, they're going to win it. Whoever has that best interdivision record is going to win the Central, and it's just of my personal opinion that it will be the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2019. All right, we're going to head to an ad here on the Ivy. I'd like to thank the guys for bringing me on. But when we come back, Jeff Passer, Cincinnati Councilman, uh, will be breaking down the Reds with the guys. Thanks, Preston. Hi, I'm Coy, one of the two hosts of FanCast. This week we will be having a special NL East preview episode. It'll be a 90-minute segment where we will be talking about all five NL East teams, including bringing in hosts of the Marlins Catch and Amazing Mets. We will be breaking down predictions, the playoff implications in the division, and what Bryce Harper's decision could impact the NL East. Make sure to tune in. All right, welcome back into the seventh episode of the Ivy as we're doing our NL Central preview. Uh, we were just thankful that Benson could come on and talk about the Pirates with us. Um, obviously, everything that was said there, even if it was argumentative, whatever, um, we definitely um, <clears throat> appreciate uh, Benson's enthusiasm about the Pirates um, and everything that he's a very smart baseball uh, guy and everything he said is backed up by stats. Um, so, you know, he's enthusiastic about his team and you love to see that and um, there is no disrespect in any of that. But uh, we're going to get into the Brewers now and uh, Matt, I'll let you open it up uh, about the rotation for Milwaukee. Um. The Brewers rotation uh, has Chasen, Anderson, Zach Davies, Jimmy Nelson, and Brandon Woodruff, um, all right-handed pitchers. Um, it's not necessarily a rotation that's horrible. Um, if, they, if they're if they healthy, uh, yeah, I could see them having a, a decent year. Um, I really don't see an ace in this rotation. rotation. Obviously, Chasen was there last season. Um, but really, everything would have to go right for them. Um, like we were kind of talking about earlier with the Pirates. Uh, what do you think about that, Thomas? For for Milwaukee? Yeah. Yeah, so I think everything would have to go right for him. I think regression hits Shasin, um pretty hard. Uh, but when you look at them, they're still pretty good players. Um, I think that the closest thing they have to dominating the game, though, out of the rotation is Shasin and his ground ball rate. Uh, so for me, uh, I think that you know, Shasin is still a good player, but I don't see anything special within this rotation. They get Jimmy Nelson back. I don't know if you mentioned that or not. Um, and then as far as the bullpen go, we all know Hader, uh, Corey Canelo, and Jeremy Jeffress are all great players. You can't argue that, but I think you would agree as well uh, that um, the rest of their bullpen just isn't that stellar, it seems, and guys like, uh, you know, Jacob Barnes and Brent Suter are kind of like over, over – uh, they overplayed their expectations last year. What do you think about the bullpen? Uh, yeah, I agree with every point you made there. Um, other than Alex Claudio, they traded for him this offseason uh, with the Rangers. Yes. Um, great trade by uh, for them, um, lefty. So I definitely think it's a good add to their bullpen. Uh, but like you said, other than Hader, Knebel, Jeffress, and Claudio, um, there's not really ha- many high spots, but we'll see how they perform. Um, now we're going to get into the lineup. Um pretty similar to last season. Um, we have Kane in the leadoff spot playing center, Yelich in right, um, batting second, Ryan Braun in third um, playing left, Travis Shaw 
um, at third, batting fourth, Aguilar at first base, batting fifth. Um, and here's the really big difference, um, Yasmani Grandal catching. Um, for me, the best catcher in the league, um, I know that's going to be really controversial, um, but really all the Sabre metrics back it up. Um, a top three um, catcher in both offense and defense, um, I really think that was a great add by them. Only a one-year deal, super surprising to me. I'm surprised um, he didn't accept um, a deal. I know he was offered a multi-year deal from the Mets, um, but he accepted a one-year deal from the Brewers. Definitely a good add by them. Um, and to finish it off, Orlando Arcia at shortstop and Hernan Perez at second base. Um, the one through six spot, obviously all great players. Um, I see a decline from Yelich and Kane both this season. Um, Braun, uh, he's been he's been good the past few seasons. I see another good season from him. Um, and after Yelich's MVP season, um, I see a fall from him. Kane's still getting older. Um, he still had a great season last year, but I just don't see it. Um, being as good as it was. Um, what do you think about that, Thomas? Yeah, so my final thoughts on the Brewers um, are that uh, I have Milwaukee behind the Cubs right now in the NL Central. Uh, I think they have everything they need to win the Central. They did last year as well. Um, we know they won it. But I do think the Cubs are able to come out of like a three-way race with the Cardinals at the top at the end of the season. Uh, and the Cubs will need to attack the Brewers stars a lot better than what they did last month in the last month of last season because we saw guys like Zach Davies and Julius Sassine look like Cy Youngs. And I do think the Brewers will make a wild card game. We'll get into that later with predictions. Um, but I, I do think they'll be a playoff team, but I think they'll be second behind the Cubs. And uh, then we're going to go to an ad right now. Unless, uh, Max, you have anything to close on on the Brewers before we go to the ad and then uh, go with Jeff Pastor about the Reds. Uh, no, not really. I just see, um, I definitely see a decline from them. Obviously people agree, disagree, uh, but we'll see how they do and we'll see how it turns out. All right. Hello everyone. My name is Eamon and I'm one of the hosts at Pinstripe Talk. On Wednesday, February 20th at six o'clock, we will be analyzing the whole AL East from player stat predictions to team record predictions and giving our take on who can make something happen in this year's postseason. All this and more on this week's episode of Pinstripe Talk. All right, welcome into back into the seventh episode of the Ivy as we get ready to talk to Jeff Pastor about the Cincinnati Reds. Jeff, can you hear us? Yes, I can. All right, so we're really excited to have you on here. Um, you know, obviously we have the Cubs bias uh, with us, but uh, actually. <laughs> Your two, your two hosts here have the Reds in fourth in the division ahead of the Pirates. Um, I know that we have them um, about three or four games above 500. So uh, it's the time of the year now where the Reds, you know, they made the trade with the Dodgers to bring in those players. They also brought in Sonny Gray and have had a pretty good young core of uh, hitters. So, uh, Jeff, I'd like to ask you first, you know, what are you expecting out of this Reds team for uh, 2019 outlook? Well, first and foremost, let me thank you all for having me on and, uh, I've been a lifelong and will continue to be a uh, lifelong supporter of the Cincinnati Reds, the best uh, baseball franchise uh, in the, the history of baseball. And as you know, we open the day. We start open the day because, I guess, we founded uh, baseball. Um, the Reds was the first organization. So with that being said, you know, we were, we've been through a couple seasons where we've been disappointed. Uh, we've rebuilt. Uh, the ownership group has done a fantastic job, as you've indicated, with the trades from – uh, the Dodgers and 
just the coaches that we're bringing in. I expect the Reds uh, to finish number one in their division. Yeah, right, uh, Max. it's definitely a, it's definitely a strong take. Um, I like their rotation. <laughs> yeah, I like their rotation. Uh, in Sonny Gray, Alex Wood, Luis Castillo, uh, Tanner Ro- Rourke, and Anthony Desca. Del Scafani, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, it's a strong rotation. Um, it's definitely something uh, to watch out for. Um, their bullpen, um, I'm not super high on. Obviously, they have a few guys in uh, Rachel Iglesias, Amir Garrett, and David Hernandez. Um, definitely a few guys to look out for. Um, and their lineup is dangerous, too. Um, um, and Puig and Kemp, who they just traded for, uh, this uh-huh. offseason, great trade by them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I really like I really like the uh, the additions from the Dodgers, um, and adding them to what you already have in Peraza, Jeanette, and Votto and Suarez. Who I already thought, you know, Suarez had just a crazy year last year. But Jeff, I'll ask you, uh, who do you think is the X factor for this Reds team in this lineup this year? You know, I was thinking about that before. I kind of anticipated that question. And I really don't know, honestly. I, I really do not know. I, I think that it remains to be seen. You know, I think we have we have a lot of we have a we have a lot of those folks who can fit that description. But I, you know, I really don't know who can be the X factor. I'm just hoping that we're able to put together enough wins, as you've indicated, uh, to be at least over 500, uh, and then also enough to to land us first place uh, in the division. Uh, which I know is a stretch, but it's the faith that I have in my team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I would say that probably the lead for, you know, that role as the X Factor would probably still be Suarez. And if he can continue to mash the ball, especially against lefties like he did, uh, you'd think that in that cleanup spot, he would probably be the anchor of that lineup. Um, But now we're going to get into a few impactful prospects as well that we could possibly see. Um, we know about Nick Senzel and um, as well about right-hander Vladimir Gutierrez. But, Jeff, do you have anything to add on with uh, a couple prospects that we may see uh, come up, you know, whether it's in the middle of the year or if not till rosters expand? Hello? All right, so I think he dropped from the call. Um, but that's pretty much all we were going to do on the Reds anyways. Um, I do want to say that, uh, for me, I have the Reds fourth in the central. Um, and, uh, and Max, I think you have them fourth as well, right? Yeah, I do. And Jeff, are you back with us? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, my friend. All right. Yeah, you're good. So I was just asking um, about some impactful prospects. Um, what's one guy, you know, we talk about Nick Senzel or Vladimir Gutierrez, the righty. Um, but, you know, who's one guy that could be an impactful prospect to come up, whether it's in the middle of the year or maybe not till rosters expand? Anyone off the top of your head? You know, me personally, I know this might, I might be in a minority when I say this, but I like uh, Iglesias. Iglesias, you want to touch more on him? I just, I just think that, you know, his, he's an all-around pitcher. He's been, you know, he's a relief pitcher, and that sort of thing. But I've been watching him develop. I believe that, you know, he's he's the one to watch out for. 
I really believe he's the one to watch out for. Yeah, definitely. Russell is a great player. We've seen him in the Central, you know, uh, be one of the one of the stronger closers in in the in the game, and especially in the Central. Um, but with that, uh, Jeff, we we're really glad you were able to come on here with us, talk a little bit about the Reds, and uh, you know, as obviously we're Cubs fans, but uh, we hope we hope the best for your team in 2019. Thanks for having me on, my friend. I really appreciate it. Yeah, th- no problem. All right, so now uh, we're going to get to an ad, and then after the ad, uh, we're going to talk about the Cardinals. Hey, it's John from the Mason Mets podcast of the Baseball Podcast Network. I am here to tell you to join our podcast on Thursday. Tune in. It'll be at 7 p.m. It will run an hour and 30 minutes. We will talk about many of the spring training news going on right now, including Jake DeGrom's continued contract negotiations, the return of T.J. Rivera from Tommy John surgery, Robinson Cano arriving to spring training and using David Wright's old locker. David Wright will never be replaced, and Robinson Cano knows that. Robinson Cano is going to try and emulate what David Wright has meant for this to this team for so long. All that and much more Thursday, 7 p.m. Please join us. Thank you. All right, welcome back into the seventh episode of the Ivy as we get back into the Cardinals. And Max, I'm going to let you open it up. Um, so uh, we're going to get... We're going to get into the Cardinals a little bit, uh, just for a few minutes. Uh, we still got a few things to go. Uh, so I'll start on the rotation already. Uh, Miles Michaelis, Carlos Martinez, Jack Flaherty, Michael Waka, and Adam Wainwright. Um, I guess we definitely see an, um, a decline from Wainwright this season. Uh, the rest of their rotation uh, looks pretty solid as long as Martinez is healthy. Um, I definitely see um, a good-looking rotation there. What do you think about that, Thomas? Yeah, um, I think that Nicholas sees some regression because of the great year last year, but uh, I think Flaherty is a really great young pitcher. Uh, Waka and Wainwright are fine. We know what they're about, and same with Carlos Martinez. Uh, Martinez has been struck with inconsistency throughout his year. But, um, uh, you know, I think it's a strong rotation. I think it's good enough to compete with both the Cubs and the Brewers in those top three in the Central. Uh, but getting into their bullpen, um, we know about Alex Reyes. He's a reliever. He might also turn into a starter. Possibly take over Wainwright, <clears throat> Wainwright's role. Sorry about that. And then uh, also right-hander Jordan Hicks has crazy velocity out of the bullpen. Um, and then obviously the big addition of Andrew Miller, uh, bringing in Andrew Miller and Paul Goldschmidt, really changing what this uh, franchise is about and what they're after in 2019. And uh, a left-hander in Miller is always scary, um, whether it's in the regular season or the playoffs. So, Max, what do you think about the bullpen? Uh, yeah, their bullpen is um, definitely something – Fun to look out for. Uh, like you said, they signed Andrew Miller this offseason. Uh, Jordan Hicks, uh, like you said, um, uh, crazy how hard he throws. Um, right up there with Chapman um, of the Yankees. Um, but we'll see how reliable he is, um, along with Alex Reyes, if he can stay healthy. Um, like you said, I would guess he'd slide into a starter role. Um, we'll now move on, on to uh, the starting lineup. Um, Thomas, if you want to get touching on that. Yeah, so Paul Goldschmidt in the three spot uh, behind right now. I have Matt Carpenter starting at third, and then Jose Martinez in right. 
Um, I know that Jose Martinez might switch off with Dexter Fowler, um, but uh, Dexter Fowler right now I have coming off the bench. We've seen him be pretty inconsistent and not very good in St. Louis. I don't think anything's really going to change there. I'm not afraid of him. And when I look at their lineup, I see Carpenter through Ozuna at four. I think Bader's a little interesting at six. But Paul DeYoung at five and Yadier and Colton Wong at seven and eight. I don't see it. I think the Cubs and the Brewers both have a better lineup, and that's why I have the Cardinals third in the NL Central. And it's really going to come down to Paul Goldschmidt. And I also think Jack Flaherty, if those two can really perform well, we know Goldschmidt will, but if Flaherty can really take over the reins, you know, uh, I think that – he could possibly be the ace over Nicholas. Uh, maybe it was just a one-year thing for Nicholas. But that's my overall on the Cardinals. I think they're third in the division behind the Brewers and then the Cubs to top the division. Max, you want to give your final take on the Cardinals, and then we can finally uh, get to the last 10 minutes about our uh, playoff predictions. Um, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I definitely could see Fla- Flaherty moving into um, the ace role. Like you said, Michaelis could just be – um, a fluke last season, maybe he won't be. Maybe he'll bounce, um, not necessarily bounce back, but be as good as he was last season. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, and now we'll move into uh, our final ad, um, uh, Diamondbacks Rattle Up ad. Hello, everybody. This is Blake here with the Rattle Up podcast, a podcast all about the Arizona Diamondbacks. This week, we will preview the National League West Division and go over each team, how their offseason has gone, including trades and trades and signings, and predict who will be the MVP, Cy Young, Silver Slugger, Rookie of the Year, Delivery Man of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year for each team, including the Giants, Padres, Dodgers, Rockies, and D-backs. We will also predict the MLB Awards, Playoff Picture, and World Series Eventual Champion. All that and much more on the 90-Minute NLS Preview Show, this Friday, 10 Eastern Time, 8 Mountain Time. That's 10 Eastern Time, 8 Mountain Time. See you there. All right, welcome back into the seventh episode of the Ivy Podcast. We're in our last 10-minute stretch here, and we're going to be talking about our official NL Central standings and playoff predictions. So, Matt, first off, uh, we're going to go through each of ours uh, NL Central standings, and we'll start with yours. Go ahead, give us first through fifth place, each team, obviously, and then the corresponding records. So I have the Cubs in first place at 99 and 63. Um, obviously pretty controversial. Controversial. We'll see how it goes. Um, in second I have the Cardinals at 93 and 69. Um, third place I have the Brewers at 88 and 74. Fourth place I have the Reds at 84 and 78. Um, in fifth place finally I have the Pirates at 78 and 84. Um, so overall, uh, Thomas, I think we I think we do have a few differences. Um, so I'll let you touch on yours. Yeah, so we both have the Cubs atop, uh, number one. I have the Cubs at 98 and 64. Um, and then the Brewers and Cardinals are flip-flop for us. Uh, we have similar records, but I have the Brewers at 94 and 68, and then the Cardinals at 92 and 70. Uh, so you had a uh, difference of five games there. I have them a difference of two games. Uh, you also have the Cubs and Cardinals separated by six games. I have the Cubs and Brewers only separated by four. Uh, we both have the Reds in fourth place. Uh, I have them at 85 and 77. You had them at 84 and 78, so not much there. And then I have the Pirates at one win less than you at 77 and 85. So uh, I think from what we can take from that, the Cubs are number one. 
Um, we disagree slightly on the Brewers Cardinals, but we do agree that the Reds will be better than the Pirates. And so now, Max, we're going to get into our playoff predictions. And uh, I think the best way to do this is to just uh, go by division and giving uh, the, the listeners, the loyal listeners, after this hour and a half, uh, you know, what, uh, who's going to win the division. So first off, the NL East, uh, who do you have winning the NL East? Um, in the NL East, I have the Philadelphia Phillies, um, and that's with the addition of Harper. Um, if they don't add Harper and he ends up in San Diego, um, I could see really uh, the Braves or Mets taking it over. Um, but Phillies had some great offseason moves. Um, I definitely see them up at the top of the NL East. Yep, and I have the Phillies as well. Um, I think that it doesn't matter about Harper. I think they've just gotten that much better. Uh, with Real Muto, I think Aaron Nola is really great, and I think they can just outlast the Braves, but I also think they will uh, possibly get Harper. Uh, the NL Central we both have as the Cubs. The NL West I have the Rockies. Um, I think this is a little bit of a contrarian pick. Uh, I think most of the favorite is the Dodgers. Um, and I think the Rockies, even losing DJ LeMahieu, they had Daniel Murphy, who's going to be so big to their lineup. And uh, Nolan Arenado, I think, uh, you know, it's just, you know, a top three MLB player, in my opinion. I'd have him at number three. So uh, you, you mix that in with Charlie Blackman. And actually a pretty solid starting pass. I like the Rockies in the West. Uh, what do you What do you like in the West, Max? Um, I chose the Dodgers, um, just, uh, the past few seasons, they've been crazy good. Um, really, um, I like the Rockies as well. I would love to see the Rockies win the division over the Dodgers. I just don't see it. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously their starting rotation last year was really good. Um, and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, I could see the Rockies winning it, um, the Dodgers did trade Puig and Kemp, um, but I do see um, – I still see them taking over uh, the NL West, um, and I see some um, – I see a little bit of decline from the Rockies. All right. Um, and then before we get into the playoffs yet, um, I think what is best is that we'll go into the AL as well. So the AL East, I have the Red Sox. Uh, who do you have in the AL East? Um, I have the Yankees winning the AL East. All right. And then AL Central, I have the Indians, but I said don't sleep on the Twins. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Twins, uh, they signed Nelson Cruz this offseason. Um, also made a move in Jonathan Scoop, from, uh, who was formerly on the Brewers, didn't, did not play well with them. Um, hoping he can bounce back with the Twins. Um, yeah, I wouldn't sleep on and the Logan Twins Morrison. at all. Yeah, Logan along Morrison. with Logan Morrison. Um yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if the Twins won it. Definitely a team to watch out for. Uh, but I still see the Indians taking over uh, the AL Central crown. Agreed. And then uh, both of us have the Astros and the AL West. So we're going to get into the two wild card games now. Uh, the NL wild card for me, I have two different teams than you, actually. Um, I have Brewers versus Dodgers. I have Brewers winning there. Uh, who's your NL wild card? Um, in the NL wild card, I have the Cardinals and Braves, and I have the Braves winning. Um, I have the Cardinals just because I have them finishing second in the NL, uh, the NL Central, mm-hmm. and I don't see, I don't really see anyone doing necessarily better than them in the in the NL East. Um, and that's talking about uh, the Mets and the Nationals. Um, and I have the Braves winning that game. And in the AL, I have the Red Sox and the Twins playing, and I have the Red Sox playing that game. Uh, like we said earlier, um, don't underestimate the Twins. 
Um, a good and, team. A yeah, good team. And I actually, uh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I actually have the Twins over the Yankees in my wild card. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that's where my, my Yankee run ends. I know that's different from you. But we're getting to the NLDS then. Uh, I have Cubs facing the Brewers, actually. I think that's interesting. I have Cubs in five, and then Phillies versus Rockies. Rockies in five. Yeah, um, in the NL, in the NLDS, I have Cubs versus Braves, and I have the Cubs winning in four, and then I have the Dodgers versus the Phillies, and then the Phillies winning in five. Um, to move to the ALDS, I have the Indians versus Astros, the Astros in four, um, Yankees versus Red Sox, Yankees in five. Um, I have Twins, Twins, Twins versus Red Sox, Sox in four, Indians versus Astros, like yourself, Astros in four. Uh, NLCS, I have Cubs versus Rockies, Cubs in six. And ALCS, I have Astros versus Sox, Sox in seven. What do you have uh, for your NLCS, ALCS? Um, NLCS, I have Cubs versus Phillies, Cubs in six. Um, and then the ALCS, I have Astros versus Yankees, and then I have the Yankees in seven. Uh, that leads to a World Series matchup of the Cubs versus Yankees. Um, that'd be a battle of the decade. Could go either way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees won. Wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs won. Who do you have for your World Series prediction, Thomas? I have Cubs versus Red Sox. Uh, so what everyone's been waiting, wanting to see in forever, Wrigley versus Fenway. The narratives are insane. You look back at it, Rizzo and Lester both started in Boston. Uh, game seven, I think Kyle Hendricks starts it. Brandon Marlowe records last out. The Cubs win 6-5. Game seven, Cubs win the World Series second time in four years. Bias, but sure. <laughs> and so with that, Max, is going to wrap up our seventh episode of the Ivy Podcast here on February 17th. We look forward to seeing you guys next week on February 24th for our eighth episode. Spring training is coming soon. The specific time is to be determined, but as always, go Cubs go, and we hope you have a relaxing rest of your Sunday. Thanks, guys. See you later. The Ivy is produced by Benson Fector. The Ivy is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Thomas, at CubsNation2018, and Max, at Wrigley News. For more of the Ivy content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at BaseballPodcastNet. Twitter, at BaseballPodcast1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1, YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network, and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Ivy. We'll see you next week.